Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another beautiful winter week here from Wisconsin, which means, you know, winter in uh, our time means, oh, 50 degrees one day, <laughs> below 10 the next. We have our full panel this week, which means Claire Zauke is with us. Claire's our Healthcare Director at Citizen Action. Claire, great to have you. Thank you. Good to be here talking with y'all. Well, it's great to have you, Claire, on this day, which today is a sweater day. Sunday is going to be back to shorts for folks, which means Robert Craig is going to have his shorts on on Sunday. He'll be out on those bike paths. Robert Craig, our executive director, is with us. Robert. Well, shorts for certain Wisconsinites. <laughs> I don't I would. I think that's a exaggeration, but I take your point. It oh, Eric Kudo will be in shorts, Robert, on Sunday. That is a guarantee. Eric will be seen in sh- the greater Shorewood area in shorts. <laughs> Eric, uh, since I used to go to Cubs games as a kid, I grew up in Sermon, Chicago, would have been a good bleacher bomb. Better that's than right. I, w- I was. Well, folks, it's great to have uh, both of you. We have a we have a gr- very busy week uh, here to talk about. The, the state legislature has been extraordinarily busy. We've been talking a bit about it. We're going to go heavy on state level uh, politics this week and talk about a number of issues. Uh, we also have uh, some guests. We're going to very fortunate to be joined by both Tanya Atkinson and Court- Courtney Hayward of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. We're going to talk about everything that's been going on around the attacks on women's health, directly the attacks on abortion, both the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade, but also very specific legislation here in Wisconsin, including our Texas-style anti-abortion law. So we'll have them on later, talk about those threats and how we can push back. We're also going to be joined by one of our organizers, Ben Wilson, to talk about a really important virtual water event that uh, he and uh, his co-op is hosting statewide for folks to get involved with all the things that are going on around water here in the state. But let's get back to our panel here. uh, And I want to talk about what's been going on in the state legislature. Lots of different issues. We will not touch upon everything that's happening, but we're going to start on health care because last week, Claire, um, you had alerted us to some really particularly pernicious uh, things that were moving through the legislature around Medicaid and Badger Care and basically trying to remove health care for folks and put unnecessary barriers in. You have an update, some more information, wanted to uh, kick it to you to uh, give us an update on sort of those bills and what folks can do around them. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to give uh, an update on this process. So I introduced these bills last week, um, but since that time, there's been some developments in their process that I um, I, I think make them all the more alarming. Um, and the biggest one is that since, since we last talked about um, these two bills, they had their assembly committee hearings where the Republican sponsors of this bill got to sort of defend it. And then, you know, members of the public came and testified about it. And the the biggest thing that became exceptionally clear during um, this process 
was that um, Republicans do not understand at all how Medicaid works, how all the different types of people who could be enrolled on Badger Care are affected by the program. And because of that, they wrote these bills so poorly, so sloppily, and so broadly that they are capturing, the bills will capture a tremendously wider population of people than the authors of the bills thought because they don't understand how Badger Care and different Medicaid programs work. So, for example, when they wrote these bills, they thought they would only refer to as they, you know, as they say, able-bodied people, which is like a whole other offensive thing, right? Um, and, um, uh, but in fact, they wrote it so broadly that this bill will also capture people, um, or these bills will also affect people who are on, for example, long-term care. So one of these bills um, is, um, a, it's called AB 934. Um, that bill will force people who use Badger Care to re-enroll every six months from scratch, fill out blank forms every six months to keep their, to keep their benefits. And Republicans thought this would just be the population of folks who, you know, they think they wrongly think are just like not hardworking people who could be doing more, working more hours, right? We know that's wrong. Um, but the bill would also include people who use family care, um, which is the state's universal long-term care program for, uh, for low-income individuals, right? So these are people who, are, who have serious either mental, physical, or developmental disabilities and will probably for the rest of their lives or are like frail elderly. And so for those folks to potentially for the rest of their lives have to reapply every six months for their benefits is just horrendous. And Republicans wrote the bill so badly that they didn't even know that that was going to be an effect of the bill. And there was a moment in the hearings where one of the bill authors turned to one of their own legislative analysts and was like, this isn't true, right? And the analyst was like, no, it is true. Like, this is the bill you drafted. And, and they learned that information during the hearing. And instead of doing the responsible governing thing and saying, we wrote a bad bill, it doesn't do what we intended it to do. Let's take a step back, fix it, and reintroduce it. They're just barreling forward anyways. And so these bills are up for an assembly floor vote um, the day that we're taping this, Thursday the 17th. And um, uh, presumably we'll, we'll know what happens by the time this show airs. Um, but I, you know, we fully expect that the governor, that they'll pass and the governor will have to veto them. This seems like sort of par for the course where this doesn't, this isn't about actual legislating here. They're, this is all about politics. They're, they, these misperceptions about how Medicaid would be impacted are because they're, in my mind, they're looking to demonize a group of people and for political reasons. And uh, so I'm not surprised. Robert? Well, yes, Matt, our host, just hit the nail on the head. They're not interested in governing. They're interested in breaking things, which is what outgoing uh, uh, U.S. House of Representatives Minority Leader Bob Michael said when he retired as their minority leader right ahead of the Newt Gingrich takeover of Congress in 1994. And they don't, yeah, uh, Claire is, uh, as a policy person, is offended. They don't understand Medicaid. They don't care to under, understand Medicaid. They just prefer it doesn't exist. And they're looking to score political points. And they're also arrogant because they think they go gerrymander the districts again. So the reason they're not... Uh, focusing the bills in order to 
focus more on their intended victims, which are which are be you know low income poor people who are also an unjust attack, right? They think it won't matter, and so this is where we need to. The only way to stop this, I mean, Governor Evers did a good job in the state of the state talking about them sitting in their 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 this beautiful marble building and doing nothing for working people. It's a kind of populism. I I really encourage Governor Evers to lean into. We need to electoralize this. So in other words, go to the voters with each person who votes for this because they assume that they have no uh, issue here because Governor Evers will veto it. So they don't have to legislate. Right. And then no one will hold them accountable and talk about with voters how they want to take health care away from seniors and people with disabilities and say that and lay that on them. And if and if we're politifacted on it, it'll be rated true. And they voted for this. Claire, yeah, I want to give yep, just sorry, a special Claire. I just want to give a special shout out and appreciation to the folks in the disability advocacy community for catching this and being the experts in how Badger Care Medicaid work and 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 really rallying healthcare advocates around this. So um, big, big props and shout out to the people doing the work, in particular Tammy Jackson and the board for people with developmental disabilities. Um, so so thanks. And a let's lot to lean them. in. We're not saying that narrowing it to their intended victims, uh, working folks who cannot afford health care is moral or valid either. And so even if they understood Medicaid, this would be evil. There is such a thing as evil. This is evil stuff. Okay? Absolutely. There is good One, and bad in the world. 100%. Absolutely. Look, there was a ton of this stuff, you know, that's moving right now. I just wanted, before we go to break. I want to mention one other uh, is they move bills. They're moving bills right now around the private voucher uh, school program to basically get rid of the income, the pupil caps uh, it would be horrendous, both financially, in addition to just the policy in, in terms of what it does to public education uh, is atrocious. And again, these are bills that are moving. They're not about actual governing. These are all policy bills, but um, just wanted to give either of you an opportunity if you had any comments on this before we go to break. Uh, again, just an ongoing continued assault on public education. Yeah, and they're using the fake critical race theory wedge and the backlash they've engendered by their attacks on science against uh, the reasonable public safety restrictions and public health restrictions schools were trying to implement quite imperfectly, actually, and not to the standard of really protecting everyone and every kid and every kid's family and every educator in the state from COVID. So they're all about breaking things. They've broken the pandemic response, and then they're capitalizing on parent frustration uh, based on the polluted political environment they've created, where uh, parents are certainly thinking to themselves, well, how come people can go to bars and restaurants and we're being restrictive in schools? Well, truth is, we should have been had clear public health standards for all of them, but they've confused the issue and lied about it so much. Who can blame the parents? Now they turn around and capitalize on it so that they can uh, drive their agenda, a very unpopular agenda of undermining public education in the state. Folks, we're going to continue uh, to keep an eye on public education in the state. We are pulling together a show. We'll have some folks from WEAC on not only to talk about this issue, but 
just what it's like to be a teacher right now uh, over the last two years. Uh, it's just worth us having a deeper understanding of. With that, folks, we got to take our first break. You are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are very fortunate to have two guests with us from Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. We are joined by Courtney Hayward. She is the Government Relations Specialist at Planned Parenthood Advocates, and also Tanya Atkinson, who is the President at Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. Thank you both for joining us. Super happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me. Well, look, we have we have talked about this issue before, but not really dove in to what is happening both nationally, what's at stake with the Supreme Court with Roe v. versus Wade, but specifically here in Wisconsin, why we're thrilled to have you with us today is to talk about the very scary threats that exist around. We have a Texas style bill that's been introduced. And uh, if if Roe's overturned, Wisconsin, I believe, would be one of 21 states that uh, abortion would again become a crime. Courtney, tell our listeners, give us, you know, just a quick overview of what you all in yourself and the folks at Planned Parenthood Advocates see as these uh, major threats with uh, these bills and this court decision. Yep. So right now we have two saving graces. We have Governor Evers who's vetoing all of the bad bills. And then we have Roe v. Wade, who is, which is stopping our 172 year ban um, from going into effect. The 172 year ban would um, essentially outlaw all abortions in the state of Wisconsin. Um, Governor's e to, Governor Evers veto pen um, stops all of these bad abortion bills, such as the SB 923 that was recently introduced, which is the copycat bill of Texas. Um, everybody knows what's happening in Texas now. They introduced this six-week ban um, or abortion restriction, um, the restriction that says people can't have abortions after a time when most people don't even know that they're pregnant. Um, and so we have Senator Bradley, I believe, and Representative Rosar a couple of weeks ago introduced um, a bill, that, like I said, our Texas copycat bill um, that has made it through. Um, it has gotten a public hearing. It has um, gotten, um, it's made it through the exec session and it's now going to the Senate floor. So it is very much so a real thing that they're trying to move through this legislature. Right now it's kind of stalled in the Senate um, where we're still trying to figure out where it's going to go, but it could very well end up on the governor's desk. Claire? Thanks. So to be clear, um, we're talking about two things, right? And so one of them is what happens if Roe v. Wade goes away. Um, and I think that's what you're referring to with this 172 year old um, abortion ban. Um, do you, has there been any like scuttlebutt in the Capitol about that, about um, like what you, like what we should be like ready to do in, you know, on, on the off chances that that happens because that, that feels like an existential like threat or fear to mm -hmm. me. And I'm sure that a lot of, a lot of people who can get pregnant feel the same way. Um, mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it'd be good to get some advice on, you know, like how should we, how should we be thinking about that? Well, um, Senator Royce and uh, Representative Subek introduced the Abortion Rights Preservation Act um, back, I believe in January of last year. Um, that bill would repeal our criminal abortion ban. And we need to have more support from both sides in order to move that through. 
So if that bill were to get through, then that 172-year-old ban would go away. And so abortion rights will be safe in the state of Wisconsin. Thank you, Courtney. And Claire, if I, if I could jump in here, um, you had said on the, on the off chance that that would happen. Um, it, it's really important for your listeners to know that it's not an off chance. It is a likelihood. Um, and that's one of the things that we're finding is that people across the state either don't don't know that we have this ban. And, and of course, why would they, you know, um, expect that this could go into effect? So um, why would they? And um, a disbelief that Roe would actually be overturned. Um, and so it's really important for listeners to to. Um, take a breath and suspend the disbelief and um, understand that 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 the way things are pointing, most legal folks are saying this is a likelihood that Roe will be overturned. So um, so really important for people to know that. And um, and we're seeing in Texas, you know, what this means for people to not be able to access abortion or for people to have to travel to different states to access abortion um, or to be forced to carry their pregnancies to term. And, and you know, we all know that you know, the decision of whether or not to have a child could be one of the most life-changing decisions that somebody can make um, and that people need to be able to make their own healthcare decisions. And the other part of this that, um, that you know, our physicians have been talking, not just our physicians, but physicians have been talking about is this has implications for miscarriages as well. So, um, so, so this has, if, it, you know, if Roe's overturn and this law in, in Wisconsin goes into effect, this has massive healthcare implications for people across the state of Wisconsin. Robert? So it is stunning how far this state has fallen. Uh, in our golden age, uh, progressive states copied us. Now we're copying Texas, you know, with end around laws that are that got a constitutional right, which is still on the books and a great threat because of a packing of the US Supreme Court. How do you comment on what people should do? It seems to me that if you think about this, that what they're trying to do is widely unpopular. They have a, a minority view, but there's a high intensity among the anti-choice constituency. And they're able to dominate the Republican Party and by kind of rigging our democracy, try to dominate, you know, this, this country to impose uh, doctrines on everyone else that, that, is, that are minority views. And in some cases, uh, come from religious views. Uh, you could, uh, if we had a real Supreme Court, it might see this as a violation of the Constitution for that reason. And so my question is, I think they're gaming out if they are at all, though there's just intensity here, right, where it's not even rational, is that our side is not as intense and we won't make them pay for it. But obviously, if folks are swept out of the office, the whole situation would change. They have to be held accountable. So I know your Planned Parenthood advocates are the front line of this, right? Uh, what are you doing? Because I think every progressive group, we, we've been pro-choice for a long time, but you know, we work on a lot of issues. This is like rises to a top issue for us following your lead, given the threat and given the consequences. But how, do you, what is your sense of, are people, are, is it possible for our side to get it and to vote on it? Because to being for uh, women's rights and reproductive health and, and access and making their own decisions, which is basic to an equal understanding of, of women in our society. In other words, women's liberation and equality, right? Um, 
uh, do, are, do you think that we're making progress there that that's possible? Because it seems like we have to go to the political realm. If they can do this, they will. Right. I mean, I think what what we absolutely have to do is hold them accountable. And, and I think they're counting on people to be tired. You know, I know where my legislator stands. They're never going to they're never going to try to repeal this law. You know, and so we cannot do that. We we all of us, all all progressives um, have got to have got to tell your legislator that you're demanding that they repeal this legislation. And then when we go vote then we vote for the people who support the repeal of this legislation. They cannot get let off the hook. You may know where your legislator stands on the issue, but do they know where you stand on the issue? And they need to, they need to feel it and they need to feel it hard. And, and, and I, I would also say any, any organization um, that's out there right now talking about equity or health equity, this should be one of their top issues and they should be mobilizing their constituency, no matter what they, no matter who their elected official is, mobilizing their constituency to, to demand that this, that this be repealed. You know, this, it's hard not to get, as you got, everyone knows you're super angry about this because Republicans talk about freedom all the time. And the fact of the matter is you do not have economic freedom if you don't have these basic rights and this ability. And it's just amazing it's amazing to me that we're here, but we are, and I'm glad you're all here. Um, Courtney, what would be, I guess, your one piece of advice to our listeners? A lot of progressives on here. It sounds like what I heard from Tanya, and maybe you can help maybe clarify or put a point on it, is we need to be reaching out to our legislators in the state pronto, uh, both state senators and state reps, correct? Yep. And that's why elections matter. Like I said, like right now, the reason why this Texas copycat bill is not going to be moving forward or even get passed in the state of Wisconsin is because we have Governor Evers' veto pen. That's why we need people to show up at the polls. The Republicans right now are making it very difficult and doing things that they, everything that they can to try to make it very difficult for us to vote. But like overcome those barriers and get to the polls um, and not just vote for the governor, but vote for all of these other elected officials who ultimately are going to make decisions about what we can and cannot do with our own bodies. So voting, like this is a huge election year for a lot of reasons. And if we don't show up to those polls and droves like we did it for President Biden for our state elections, like we are going to end up like Texas. That's a reality that we need to like face and we need to talk about with our friends and families as well. Like Roe can very well be overturned um, and it's likely will be overturned, which means that in my lifetime, I won't be able to access abortion care in the state of Wisconsin. Like that's a real thing. And so it needs to be top of mind for everyone as we make our way to the polls um, this election season. Kenny, you get the last word before we have to go. Uh, that Courtney had a, had a great last word. I was so say, I don't um, know that there's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, just to, just to build on what, what Courtney said, um, uh, the, you know, Rebecca Clayfish, a former Lieutenant Governor who is running for governor has made it very clear that she would immediately sign an SB8 bill. So even if Roe isn't overturned, if, um, if, uh, if we do not have a champion like, like Governor Evers in office, we're still gonna be Texas anyway. Folks, that is very stark and clear and uh, clarion call for why these elections matter. We've been talking a lot about them, certainly in the spring, but these elections this fall will be absolutely critical. Um, I want to encourage our listeners to get, if, if 
if you want to get involved, please get involved with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. It's very important. We'll put a link so you can get involved uh, in the organization. We think it's absolutely critical. I want to thank Tanya and Courtney for you both joining us today and educating our listeners, but just also just you being there every day and fighting for something as critical as this basic freedom. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're in it together. Yep. And with that, folks, we have got to take a break. You are listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin, where Citizen Action can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin. We are really happy to have one of our organizers with us. And it's not just any old organizer. It's uh, Ben Wilson, who lives out in the Driftless area, which is an amazing part of the state. Ben, it's great to have you. It's great to be here today, Matt. Straight out of Roqua, if I'm correct, right, Ben? <laughs> that is correct. That's right. So this show reaches all all parts of the state. Uh, ben, I didn't have Jan to just t- talk about the wonders of Roqua and the Driftless, although we could do a whole show on that. I am having you on because you have organized uh, a statewide virtual event on water. And I don't mean just water, like drinking water, but water in terms of how it's at risk in this state uh, for a number of reasons. And uh, this event is open for lots of people, but Ben, give our listeners uh, a quick skinny on why they should get involved and join this virtual water event. Well, first of all, we have on the Driftless Co-op a rural issue team that focuses on issues that really affect our rural communities across Wisconsin. We early identified water quality as one of those major issues. Because no matter if we drink from a bubbler or a water fountain, uh, if our water is in a tap, in a lake, in a river, or a trout stream, all Wisconsinites deserve clean, fresh water. Everywhere from the tap to the lake. Unfortunately, certain bad actors, basically professional polluters here in Wisconsin, and the politicians they finance, are destroying our water. They're leaving us with lead pipes, with PFAS, with factory farming with nitrate. And this year, especially being an election year, we have to be informed. We have to know where politicians stand on issues such as water quality. And we have to know what actions we can take to protect water for the next generation here in Wisconsin. So that's why we're hosting our event on next Thursday. It's called In the Wash, a virtual workshop about Wisconsin waters. And we'll we'll be covering a lot of different issues. Claire. Thanks. Can you tell us a little bit about the types of people who you've been able to work with on water issues? Because it sounds like you're pulling together a pretty broad coalition. And so I'm curious to hear a little bit more about like what it like, what are the different things that are bringing people together on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, this issue, we really started mobilizing around this issue in response to uh, the possibility of the largest hog farm in Wisconsin being built here in the Driftless. It would have threatened the Kickapoo and by extension, the Mississippi River. And we really mobilized and generated over 1,500 comments to the DNR to stop uh, building of this large hog farm. And we did it because we wanted to protect the Kickapoo. And then as we realize, as we worked on these water quality issues, we realized this is an issue that brings together urban and rural. It brings together La Crosse and Milwaukee, 
Lake Superior and Mississippi. It really, we all need clean water. And it's one of those issues that really is across the board. Nobody wants PFAS. Nobody wants nitrates. Nobody wants lead. We want clean, fresh water. Uh, real quick before we get to Robert, you know, give us, you know, 30 seconds. Why is this such an issue? It seems like, you know, water, uh, the environment and how that connects to recreation and uh, tourism industry. Why is this such a partisan issue? Why are we at such gridlock uh, that, you know, we're, we're having to organize around something as simple as the idea that we should be protecting our, our water in this state? What's, what, what's going on there? Well, Matt, it's not, a, it's not a partisan issue for the people of Wisconsin. It's a partisan issue for people in the state capital and people in D.C. Every Wisconsinite, every one of us, every one of us voters deserve clean water. It's not a partisan issue, but it's a partisan issue to the people we represent. And that's why as we go into this election season, we need to be asking every single candidate, what will you do to protect Wisconsin waters for the next generation? Robert. Hey, Ben, thank you for joining us and the org all the organizing you're doing. Um, just to, I'm not sure if we were, if we clarified at the top, our organizing co-ops or CIS Nations chapter system. So you are the organizer for the, the member chapter in Wisconsin, the Driftless Organizing Co-op. And of course, this ties back to more traditional citizen action issues as we've gotten into rural organizing uh, with you on the ground and living in Viroqua, Ben, uh, we've learned a lot more about, about rural issues. We've done a little bit of CAFO work when Jeff Smith, the state senator, was our organizer and the, uh, the organizing co-op to the north of you uh, that's part of citizen action, uh, but you've gotten much deeper, and then and then obviously water is a big issue, but water ties in to one of the citizen action statewide issues, and that is climate. Right? We've had flooding all over the Driftless, so in the Driftless area, there's more awareness of the uh, impacts of climate change already because if the flooding is a result of changes and in, in, in permanent changes in the climate that have already happened. In addition these CAFOs, concentrate animal feeding operations, which are shocking. I mean, Ben, you and your members know all about this, but we're talking about things that produce waste. I'm talking about, you know, poop, right? At uh, the levels of a small city in areas with no sewage systems, just dumped into the water, right? Essentially at a state that just rubber stamps them. There's almost no way to stop them, just delay them, though you've been very effective in delaying the one in Crawford County, the Roth, the Roth Feeder Pig 2 facility. Isn't that a lovely name? But not only do they pollute the water that is also we have, is flooding during, a, during climate change and therefore inundating us with the poop, right, and the PFAS and, every, and, and other contaminants, but these things produce massive amounts of methane because, and methane is many times more greenhouse uh, uh, change, uh, climate change uh, inducing than than simply carbon dioxide. And so these all fit together in a lot of ways that, that the, the pollution of our water uh, organizing around is part and parcel of our contamination and destruction of the, the climate that we need to have a stable and prosperous human civilization. So I wonder if you could talk a little more about those interconnections, Ben. Oh, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I do wanna make a connection to one, another one of CISN Action's core issues, healthcare. 
We can't be healthy as human beings if, our le- if there's lead in our water. We can't be healthy if we don't have access to clean, safe drinking water. We can't be healthy unless we can go experience the great Wisconsin outdoors. The reason we all live here. We need, we need these, these water quality standards to keep us happy and healthy. Keeping us happy and healthy is another step in preventative healthcare. But I really think that water quality is an issue that ties across every part of the state. Every few weeks, I get an email from someone uh, who is interested in working on water quality who's from all over the state. It's an issue that brings us all together, connects us all, because we all, first of all, we all need the drinking water. We all need safe water to fuel our bodies. And we all need that beautiful outdoor recreation, those trout fishing streams, that swimming hole everywhere. So that's what brings us all together. So Ben, paint me and our listeners a picture of uh, next week, if they were to go and click on the link and go sign up to get involved in this uh, virtual event, uh, give our listeners a brief uh, idea of what to expect. Yes, absolutely. We will have, um, first of all, we've got videos from lawmakers all across the state, from La Crosse all the way to Milwaukee, talking about the water issues their municipality is facing and what each of us can do to help that water quality right now. We will also have live speakers talking about such issues as water the human rights, uh, water defending on the line three and the line five project. And of course, KFOs, uh, water quality, all the other issues. So it's going to be it's going to be a big event with lots of contribution from people all across the state. And we're working on some really fun uh, interactive items to keep people engaged throughout the throughout the meeting. So, so there you have it, folks. Listen, if you're listening in Milwaukee or any city, and you got lead in your pipes, you should jump on. If you're living in Wausau, and you just found out a week ago that your uh, PFAS levels and uh, are found in every part of Wausau, you should consider getting on. So no matter where you are across the state, right? You got a KFO that's uh, trying to grow in your region, please jump on, get involved. It is absolutely critical to get involved in this fight and get connected with folks across the state, which is uh, absolutely what would be great. So Ben, uh, on your way out, remind our listeners what they need to do and uh, to get involved in this event. Yeah, absolutely. You need to sign up and uh, RSVP tomorrow in the statewide newsletter. You'll see a write-up about, about this event. You can click the RSVP page. You can also go to the Facebook page for either the Driftless Co-op or the Maine Citizen Action Wisconsin page. Sign up now, get the link to join, and then we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Ben. Really appreciate that you took the time to uh, join us on this Thursday morning and really appreciate that you had the vision and uh, uh, to get this event together and organize folks across the state. Thank you much, Ben. Thank you all. With that, folks, we have to take a break. You are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Our final segment in the show, we want to thank our guests so far. It's been great to have the folks from Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin and Ben Wilson joining us from our Driftless Co-op. We're going to 
jump right back into some state level issues here that um, we have to talk about since uh, when we started the show, we mentioned that there's a number of things that have been moving through the legislature and a number of things here in the state that um, that uh, that uh, deserve our attention. And it's hard to keep track of all the stuff that's going on. Robert, you wanted to, in particular, raise attention to something we have had a special guest on, um, uh, and that was uh, Tobita Chow came on uh, a few months ago to talk about anti-China sentiment that has been brewing uh, in this country for months, if not years now. Uh, and it's, it, it is really ratcheting up. And we actually started to see this show up in a couple of bills here in, in, uh, in Wisconsin in the state legislature that appear to be trying to raise anti-China sentiment on the UW campuses that would have a seriously negative impact. Uh, could you give our listeners the latest info on this? Yeah, I mean, this is straight out of the right-wing playbook. That is, you create a threat, you gen it up, you have the right on Fox News saying that the real threat is not Russian invasion of Ukraine, but China. And of course, we had Donald Trump's shameful rhetoric about uh, COVID-19 and China that, that caused a wave of hate crimes across this country. And that is continuing. In New York, we've had a couple horrible incidents recently of hate crimes against Chinese Americans. Uh, but that's okay. We talked about this in the first segment with, with current pre-fascist Republicans if it helps them build power and create hysteria. So there's a bill from Roger Roth, state senator, who has risen to power on the Roth name in Northeast Wisconsin. His dad was Toby Roth, the longtime congressman. Now his dad is his uncle. He's the nephew, I believe. But he's part of the Roth clan. And he says, no country today poses a greater threat to our national security and economic prosperity than China. And then targets the UW system is supposed to go through this whole thing where they determine anyone who, you know, who, ha who, ha who is a member of the Chinese People's Liberation Army proves they're not or is connected. There's also harsh uh, uh, kind of focus, maybe one, any student from China, Russia, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, or Syria. You know what? This is Cold, this is cold War anti-communist craziness kind of stuff. When I went to the University of Georgia in the late 80s, they still had the loyalty oath to get paid there to be a state of Georgia employee. You had to say you were not a member of any organization that supported the violent overthrow of the United States or the government of the state of Georgia. So... Of course, they had a 10-year clause, so the Union Army didn't apply, since it certainly would overthrow the government of the state of Georgia. Uh, be that as it may, that's the kind of hysteria they're trying to create. And I can tell you, being a, a, a UW-Madison PhD and living in a fellowship house that uh, for PhD dissertators that was very international, with a lot of international students mixed in with, with, uh, with people from this country, that People who come from China, from Iran, from other countries, you know what? They're, 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 they have this huge opportunity to get this great education, to get a PhD, and they, they are not parts of some sort of system. This is a stigmatizing of people because of where they're from, which, of course, the Republicans are also doing uh, for immigrants from Mexico and Central America and the Caribbean, simply trying to pursue the American dream. These are much closer to would-be Americans than saboteurs, it reminds me of the sentiment that led to the Japanese internment camps during World War II, another blot on our American history. 
Yeah, look, um, shout out. The Democrats were fortunately against this, um, but we're going to keep talking about this anti-China sentiment because it's it's obviously complex um, and we see it as a real problem. And we don't want to see Democrats falling into this for all the reasons Robert talked about. So we're going to continue to keep an eye on this. We may even have Toby Chow on again. Um, I believe they're going to be releasing a report pretty soon with some more info. We're going to stay on top of this. It's very important. Uh, this is not going to go away. Um, and how we as a, a democracy respond to this is uh, going to speak a lot about who we are, as a, quite frankly, as a and, civilization. And Matt, shout out to Senator Larson, Senator Janet Buley for really speaking passionately and and, and the truth on the floor. during And Erpenbach. Yep. Yeah. They were great. They were great. I was, it was, it was refreshing to read those as opposed to just seeing ducking. So shout out to uh, the Democrats in the legislature for speaking up against this hate, because that's really what it is. Um, Claire wanted to give you an opportunity if you had anything else you wanted to say, or if there's something else you wanted to lift up <laughs> from the legislature this week. Uh, oh gosh, there's just always so much going on in the legislature. <laughs> um, I wanted to add one thing um, about what Robert was talking about with this um, this um, anti-Asian bill that um, is being pushed in the legislature is that, you know, this reminds me of the recent um, confirmation hearing for um, President Biden's nominee to be um, a one of the top bank regulator posts in the administration, yes. um, who was of Chinese American descent, and Republican members of Congress um, just just attacked her and created a false narrative around her and suggested communist ties, um, and it was so bad that she was just an exceptionally bright qualified, highly educated and intelligent woman, woman of color um, who would be just phenomenal in this post. And she withdrew her name because of um, the vitriol coming from the other side of the aisle. Um, and and I, I think this is um, a really clear example of how, um, you know, there is there's a marriage between what's happening at the Republican level in Congress, and the Republican level in the state legislature. Right. They're really moving in lock, lockstep in this um, in this ideology that's, you know, fueled by divisiveness and racism. Um, so um, we we can't just assume that these things are only happening at the federal level. They're happening here, too. And we have to stay vigilant in our in our fight for anti-racist policies um, and inclusive inclusiveness. I just add that imagine if we don't win the fight for democracy and we have a Trumpian uh, semi-authoritarian state and any of you, any of us go to another country and then we get stigmatized as somehow connected to, to Trumpian fascism. Do you see what I mean? The fact that we came from here does not mean that we are with uh, the system of government or, or its authoritarian leaders. Or it's just or you came from Soviet Union, therefore you're a communist. That's what we're getting right now from the American right. It's disgusting. It's part of their attempt to take over the country and to squelch out uh, democracy. Let's remember, folks, when we, especially us on the left, when we fall into those traps, um, it, it, it makes us very vulnerable. Claire, you mentioned uh, the, this, this appointment. What happened was the banking industry used trumped up anti-China 
to sack someone who is actually going to regulate the banking industry with very reasonable, sound economic policy. So that was a, it was a huge, dealt a huge blow to the kind of person we would have needed to deal with the financial institutions. And it was all around just trumped up crap about China. So Claire, that's a fabulous point and uh, how it impacted us on a fundamental thing like how we regulate financial institutions. Uh, but before, uh, Robert, I'm going to come back to you for one final thing uh, on broadband. I do want to say to our listeners, look, there's a lot going on in the state legislature. Um, we are pushing back. Um, we're going to have a Citizen Action Lobby Week that's going to start next week on February 24th. It's going through March 4th. I'm going to have a link where you can RSVP RSVP to get involved. We are setting up visits uh, with state legislators around the state to talk about our two leading issues, both the climate genocide that we are facing and what we can do around that, and also uh, doing something very significant around uh, making sure everybody has access to healthcare. We'll have more next week on the show uh, uh, to talk more about the specific two, uh, both a specific bill and a package of bills that are going to be coming out. It's very exciting, but want to encourage you to get involved, get signed up to be a part of our week of action and lobbying day around uh, these major pieces of agenda and pushing back against this crap that's going through the legislature. Robert, before we go, you wanted to highlight, we, we want to call out uh, folks doing the right thing. Uh, about a year ago, I want to say, around the state budget, we were a little tough on Jeff Smith around his vote on the state budget. But uh, Jeff has, uh, you know, amazing stuff the way he is calling out on broadband around a fundamental issue in this uh, state uh, that you wanted to highlight. Robert? Yeah, to add your teaser, these are two of the best bills we introduced in a very long time in Wisconsin. So I want to make that a good teaser for in the, in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, really excited these bills, almost bursting to, to, to tell people about them before we're allowed to uh, from the sponsors. But on broadband, uh, the public could be well to think about how come we keep shelling out all this money for broadband session after session and Congress after Congress and all these people still are broadband, right? And they're right to suspect that because we've spent enough 40 billion subsidies nationally to have broadband, but it's gone to telecom companies. And this whole neoliberal approach of just fund the, a big company and that's going to solve our problems misses the fact that they have no incentive to go to underserved areas. It's why we made the post office public. Private sector never gone to sparsely populated rural areas. And they're doing another one of these bills and Jeff Smith called it out, finally. Uh, and, and so, um, and this showed the difference between having a rural populist Democrat, progressive Democrat represent a huge rural area, or the modern brand of conservative, or even a more con moderate Democrat who would just shill out for telecom, because that the other wing side of the party has done plenty of that as well, and does that in economic development. And so he points out that the way it's set up, uh, it'll just go to getting faster internet speeds for people already have it. And in addition, it sets up a veto, so telecom can veto any, any, any build out of infrastructure if they promise to, uh, to, to build it themselves in that area. You know what, they promised for a long, long time and they've reneged on their, on their promises and not been held accountable by government. That is what's been happening for a, for a decade and a half and why we don't have universal broadband and why rural areas that don't have broadband continue to decline economically. Please, 
Thank you, Jeff Smith. And this is why it's critical to defend him. He's considered the most endangered incumbent in the, among the Democratic state senators. Folks, with that, we are going to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank our organizer, Ben Wilson, for joining us. And of course, want to thank Courtney Hayward and Tanya Atkinson from Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin for also joining us. We'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.